0: Hello again, I'm Miriam Felton. Welcome to Yarn Stories Podcast. In today's episode, I'll be talking with Sabrina Famulos, owner of Enzula Luxury Yarns. Sabrina started her fiber life as a crocheter, making items to sell in the Bay Area of California. Her business is now based in Fresno, California, which is basically smack in the middle of the state. Something that I've long admired about Sabrina's business sense is that she's very craft inclusive. She makes sure to have samples of knitting, crochet, weaving, and honestly anything that you can do with yarn. You may know that I started my craft life with sewing, crochet, and cross-stitch, only coming to knitting in my teenage years. I've since added crochet back into my design life with a series of hybrid patterns that use crochet and knitting together, plus a couple of just straight crochet patterns. In this interview, we're going to talk about the divide between knitting and crochet, but I'd love to hear your take on it. Are you primarily a knitter who crochets, or a crocheter who knits? What has your experience been like with both crafts? I'd love to hear from you. And just a heads up, we're going to get into sexism and just tangentially touch on sexual assault. But in case these topics are an issue for you, pause this now and you can check the time codes in the show notes for what portion to skip. So without further ado, here's my interview with Sabrina. I'm here with Sabrina Familos, owner, dyer, and road-worn ambassador of Anzula Yarns. Hey, Sabrina. Hello. So you started out like a lot of us did, selling handmade stuff to friends, family, and acquaintances. Uh, you were crocheting in a coffee shop and spinning your own yarn, and you came to dyeing and fiber, dyeing and then fiber a little later. Did you knit at that time as well, or did were you doing mostly crochet for economy?
1: Um, I was doing mostly crochet. At the time, I wasn't knitting. It was about a year or so later that I learned to knit, oh, okay. and then it wasn't until I got my first um, what I considered a grown-up job that I um, started knitting uh, more intensely.
0: What was your grown-up job?
1: I was teaching massage.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. you still doing massage therapy uh, a little bit when you're home? Not nearly as
1: much as I used to, but I
0: still am. Yeah. Uh, so what what kind of stuff were you making at that point?
1: A lot of shawls. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers that
0: railroad yarn. Or, oh, uh, yeah. I remember that. The crazy novelty <laughs> <yeah>. of doom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it it made the most beautiful beaded looking shawls though. Yeah, it did. And that was yeah. kind of my bread and butter. That hat cool. and hats, fingerless gloves, purses,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and crocheting them, you'd be able to knock them out a little faster than knitting. Oh mode.
1: yeah, I can make a hat in
0: two hours. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a price that people are generally okay paying. Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to like, uh, you know, a five-hour knitted hat. Yeah, you and know. that's fast if you can knit a hat in five hours. Yeah, well, I'm fast, but <laughs> 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 also depends on the yarn. Yeah. Um, so I know that you make a concerted effort to show your yarn and crochet patterns as well. So why mm-hmm. is this important to you?
1: Because all fiber artists are important and all skills are valid. I want everybody to have something in our wonderful yarn that they can be inspired to create, yeah, and even have woven samples.
0: Yeah. I, I love that you cover all those bases because sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you just need to see inspiration of, of the yarn in something, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, a lot of makers don't make that leap from seeing a yarn to seeing a finished piece that they could make with it. So it's really, I think it's really wonderful that you show so many different yarn crafts. In your yarns. Thank you.
1: you. It helps that I'm a crocheter first. Yeah. And um, I'm madly in love with knitting, crocheting, spinning, weaving, all of it. Yeah. Um, I've never tatted before, but.
0: um... (laughs) (laughs) That's one thing I haven't done either. Uh, I kind of have done everything else. So, primarily crocheting was your early intro mm-hmm. to to yarn. When you learn to knit, so so many of us have gone from you know knowing to knit and then learning to crochet. I didn't. <laughs> I started crocheting when I was eight, so I'm I'm like you. But yeah. uh, did you do you find anything that is better? You know, anything difference in what you're looking for in a yarn between knitting and crochet?
1: I never had any issues with choosing yarn, but I found that I was often a different type of crocheter. Mm. A lot of people. Thought well, I don't know if as a crocheter you've experienced anything different when you went to a uh, a local yarn shop. Oh yeah, but a lot of people. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, a lot of people looked looked quite long down their nose at me um, because I was a crocheter, and then yeah. they would see what I was knitting and they were surprised because they thought it or not knitting. They would see what I was crocheting and they yeah. were surprised that it looked the way it did. Yeah, uh, I created more of an open fabric when I was crocheting. Yeah, so. While crocheting is much more dense, it wasn't that really stiff crochet that um, is so familiar.
0: Well, and part of that stems from the fact that a lot of people who learn to crochet are crocheting with like, you know, store brand acrylic yarn, which Mm -hmm. is not drapey and it's dense and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have a good hand. And, you know, so like if that's the fabric you're used to making, even if you were given, you know, really drapey yarn, you would probably crochet it at that dense gauge.
1: Yeah, back in those days, I was knitting with a lot of boucle, yeah. a lot of Michaels yarn, a lot yeah. of just stuff that
0: homespun. Um, homespun, oh, uh-huh. I love
1: homespun. Homespun
0: made it good work, favorite. made good stuff. Like okay. it was, you yeah. know, the boucle would hide a bunch of you know weird texture. So like you could well, <laughs> but like it would hide it would hide increases and decreases, and they wouldn't be very obvious. Yeah, mm-hmm. homespun, yeah. homespun man,
1: I loved it. Well, and um, it was soft
0: so- compared to other acrylic yarns. Oh,
1: absolutely, and. Obviously, I'm all about the luxury fibers.
0: <laughs> right. <so. laughs> even back in the day, you were like, it feels back nice. back in the day. hmm Yeah.
1: So my uh, my agenda when I started buying – well, when I first – I didn't even know yarn shops existed. Yeah. So when I first found a yarn shop, I was just in heaven.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, my goal was to always spend $10 or less on a skein of yarn because my labor for a hat was about um, $10 an hour. Yeah. So if my labor was uh, $20 and then the, the yarn was – uh, ten dollars or less. That's thirty dollars. Yeah,
0: which is and then a I doubled price my, point. Yeah,
1: and then I doubled the cost of the yarn because you have to have that markup. Yeah. So it was between ter- uh, thirty and forty dollars for hats that I sold.
0: Yeah, which is a price that most you know people for a handmade yeah. product think is oh that's a great deal. You know that's fine. Like I'll pay yeah. forty dollars for a hat that's handmade.
2: They Absolutely. don't
0: understand how quite how much work goes into it if it's knitted. Mm-hmm. You know, or if you're not if you're not a fast crocheter. You know. Right. So. I find the divide between the knitters and the crocheters really baffling. To me, it's all different ways of using yarn, which it sounds like it is to you as well. But where do you you think this stems from?
1: I really am not entirely sure. I've wondered about that for my entire uh, life in fiber art. Me too. I do know that the tools for crocheting are so much less expensive. Yeah. And um, so that might have an element in it. Yeah. Um, And that was why I stayed a crocheter for so long because I was a poor college student and Uh, I wanted to have good yarn and if I were to buy new needles for everything I did, that would eat up a lot of my yarn budget.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the the yarn store experience is very different for knitters versus crocheters and also like when I was when I was cuz I was I came to knitting young. I was like 16 and so mm-hmm. my my first like yarn store experiences, I got like looked down my nose or oh, looked down their yes. nose at me cuz I was young. Like yes. they looked at me like I was going to shoplift stuff. Right. Right. I don't think I got that look, but I definitely,
1: they were always poking fun at me. And it was definitely in a loving way. Yeah. But, but, but like, like, so when are you
0: going to start knitting and... Yeah. Uh, yeah. But all but kinds like, of... support. Come on, people. Yes.
1: Well, it, and that's why anytime um, a crocheter is in, I always want to make sure we have a binder that is only crochet patterns. Yeah. Um, I point out all of the different crochet samples that we mm-hmm. have. Um, I even get people that come in and say, so do you do you have different yarns for crocheting or knitting? Because some people just don't know. Yeah, And I'm like, you know true. what? Our yarns don't discriminate. However you want to <laughs> use
0: them, you, they're going to be happy to be used. If you want to leave them in the skein and drape them around your neck as a necklace, they're happy to be and used I've that done way that. too. Yes, indeed. <laughs> One skein wonder cowl. <laughs> yep. Nice. Um, so I'm. I wonder whether the... Like, I've heard all the backstory stuff between knitters and crocheters about, like, like maybe it was because the Irish, you know, the, the, the British were knitting and the Irish were doing mm-hmm. Irish crochet and it was their whole, like, economy for a little while. And, you know, and so, and the knitters, you know, the British looking down on the Irish. But I don't understand why that. Well, I, <laughs>
1: and there's also the same attitude within knitting in the different methods. Yeah, that's true. You're a right. lot of knitting is considered um, more of the higher class. Yeah. And so if you're a crocheter, you're not considered part of the higher class. It's really And then weird. if you are a thrower, you are especially the higher class because you're doing it for luxury and you're not trying to go for speed.
0: Uh, oh, that's funny because I throw and I'm really, really fast.
1: <laughs> absolutely. And <laughs> that, that is um, – it's really what you know and what you're good at. Yeah, and muscle memory. It's all muscle yeah, memory. Yeah, Absolutely. But I bet if you were to learn to do lever knitting, you would get um, – and you just did that for a few months, you would oh, yeah. be even
0: faster. Yeah, like with the knitting belt where you've got one needle completely stationary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, and there's a lot of there's a lot of weird orthodoxy in our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a bunch of people who are like, you know, if you're knitting combination, you're knitting wrong. And I'm <laughs> like, there's no wrong way as long as you're getting a fabric that does what you want it to do and exactly. – and you know, exactly. and like it's. And there it's, are no knitting police. There are no crocheting police. Yeah, it's. There are no yarn police. It's one of the things that really bugs me <laughs> about <Yeah. laughs> about like I worked in a yarn store for a little while, so um, I had to I had to be the evangelist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I am finding that there are fewer and fewer um, weird attitudes about fiber arts.
0: That's good. So that's yeah. really good. I wonder if it's the new blood coming in, you know, because, uh, there was a lot of, there was a lot of people, there were a lot of people, um, you know, who came to it in like the two thousands. Um, mm-hmm. and then now there's another resurgence, right. For the, like the DIY generation. I wonder, I wonder if that's bringing less orthodoxy. What are you seeing in that generation? Um, I'm seeing a lot of people who, who, you know, learn it because they just want to be involved in the process. I'm seeing a lot of like younger people who are like, I want a hat and I want to make that hat, you know, like I don't, (laughs) you know, you've got all these millennials who like have no, have like endless time on their hands because they're underemployed, you know, (laughs) they're like side gigging. And so they look for something to do in the meantime, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people in that, Position where they, you know, they learn the skill so that they can, um, you know, make something for themselves that's very unique and nobody else has, and then like fall in love with it.
1: See, I it's so interesting to me because when I was doing, I was definitely overemployed. I was doing mm. massage full time. I was a nanny. Yeah, and I was also doing craft fairs on the weekend. So all. <laughs> In all my spare moments, I was sitting and spinning yarn and crocheting yeah. things. Yeah. But I don't even know sometimes how I found the time to do it all because <laughs> I was living in the Bay Area of California and it was just so expensive that I had to find all
0: the ways to make yeah. money. No, I understand that. I When I came to this, I was overemployed as well. Like I had a full-time job and then I was like keeping, you know, running a website and designing patterns and all that mm-hmm. stuff uh, until I until I started doing this full-time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was I don't sexual. even know how
1: people make ends meet nowadays when they can't even find jobs. But that's yeah. also why a lot of people are living with their parents or yeah,
0: well, and in good housing
1: situations.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's with the internet age. I think that we have a lot of disconnect from people, and I think people are really looking for ways to reconnect physically in a physical space. Yeah. And so, like you know, going to a coffee shop and working on a hat. You know what I mean? Like that's ha- that was me. It's a relatively cheap way to hang out, you know, and meet yeah. people. <laughs> Or go to the bar and knit. Um, I do that too. Yep. <laughs> so I th- I think it's interesting you can have my how book for my knitting. right. I think it's really interesting how it's evolving, how you know new people are coming in and are evolving okay. the whole situation. Uh, so you spend a lot of time on the road these days doing trunk shows mm-hmm. and shop takeovers. Mm-hmm. So how has this influenced your business and your creative process?
1: <clears throat> that is an excellent question. <laughs> Um, well, it has established my team to be incredibly strong. Yeah, um, because I could not do this without being able to 100% believe in my team and count on them to do everything they need to do while I'm not in the factory. Yeah. And you've
0: got to hire competent employees.
1: Oh, they're just wonderful. I'm so <laughs> thankful for each one of them.
0: Yeah.
1: I like being in the yarn shops because I like being connected to all the different customers. Yeah. And customers across the country, they're they're so similar, but they're also very different. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it depends on the age of the shop. Yeah. Because a shop that's one to five years old, their customer base is has different needs than a shop that's been around for 10, 15 years. Yeah. Uh, And then again, a shop that's like 20 years or more, they could be in a completely different space because they have a new generation of knitters. Um, Sometimes they're like starting over again.
0: Oh, interesting. So do you find the ones that have been open for like, you know, uh, five to 10 have like a more advanced base? Generally, Interesting. (laughs) Like, because I imagine that it depends on the shop, but um, if they're offering, you know, progressively more advanced classes and they've got a regular customer base that takes their Mm -hmm. classes, that would make sense.
1: Almost always a shop that's um, one to three years old and sometimes up to five years old, um, their customers are looking for one or two skein projects Hmm. and and are sometimes working on different uh, stitch patterns that are increasing skill levels, but they aren't quite ready or don't think they're ready to do larger projects. Oh, interesting. and then it's that those five to fifteen year old shops that people are like, oh, you know what? I don't really wear shawls as much as I think I want to. Yeah. I wear sweaters a whole lot more, or I need something like a cowl or a poncho because I don't want something to fall off of me. Yeah. So um, then they they um, start making bigger things because it's more it becomes less about just making something and becoming making something that I actually want to use
0: all the time. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh? You got a whole like view of the knitting world that i don't think i've ever heard before that's wonderful oh interesting that's cool um that's like you could do market research <laughs> you could be like you could like have a survey that you like hand out to all the trunk show participants and get it back and we could like use that as amazing market uh, research so stuff in my brain i have so many books
1: i want to <laughs> write but I just, like i've been just waiting for my my um our new building to be done which is actually moving Oh, we're finally moving into it. I'm so today, excited actually.
0: for you. Um, it doesn't seem real. Yeah, this is going to air after that. But <laughs> um, yeah, so you've been, yeah, let's talk about the new building. So you've been um, working on this building. So you bought the building, but then it had to be like renovated and like zoned properly and all that stuff, right?
1: Yeah. So when we bought it, it was a shell of a building. Mm-hmm. Um, it had been vandalized and all the electrical had been torn out, mm-hmm. all the AC, um AC, Mm, systems have been had been stolen and stripped. um, It was just a brick building. Yeah. So um, we had to install everything, which I was like, we're just installing electrical. That's not that big of a
2: deal. (laughs)
1: Um, Because we didn't even have a transformer. Yeah. So um, and PG&E is our electrical service here. Yeah. And they um, they're the only option. They have the monopoly here. So they which slowed down mm. the project ridiculously. Yeah. Uh, And so I think they put us back at least a year, if not a year and a half. Oh, man. And then just every, even just getting gas meters from them um, or getting our gas connected. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Um, But we're in it now and it's just. So you've got a space
0: that's basically built to order for you.
1: Yes. Yes. And you're also living in the place now, right? (laughs) Yeah, so I don't actually live in the yarn factory. No, no, but I no, do but in the, building. in the building.
0: Yeah. Which That's means that house. you own the building and you live in the building. That's pretty great. Yeah.
1: Crazy. Yeah. And we also have a tenant who is an old high school friend. Oh, nice.
0: Yeah. Little, little Make up a little extra of the overhead with rental. Exactly, exactly.
1: That's perfect. So our building is actually slightly smaller than where we were previously, but uh, the square footage and the usable space is, is increased. Oh, good. So well, we it's... have less square footage we have more usable space.
0: Yeah, it's also designed, you know, to suit. So right. probably the space is better utilized. Yes. That's really exciting. So exciting. You guys have been growing pretty consistently mm-hmm. since you started. So what kind of percentage growth every year are you seeing?
1: Um it's been about uh fifteen to twenty percent growth.
0: That's pretty great for this industry.
1: Yeah. Um, In the first few years, it was about uh, 50% every year, but um, that's not sustainable.
0: No, (laughs) that's that's reasonable. (laughs) Awesome. So uh, you sell some really gorgeous spinning fibers, which feels like a nice throwback to your roots of spinning. Yes. Uh, Do you look for different things in the fibers that you source than in your yarns?
1: Yeah, we can have a bit more exotic fiber because um, something that is important to me is that all of our yarns are spun in North America, mm-hmm. and um, sometimes the sourcing of a of a fiber to then spin it becomes astronomical to yeah. turn it into a yarn. Okay, but we can get the fiber, and the fibers are coming um, from the region that the animals are from. Yeah, so it becomes a little bit less expensive to just have the fiber itself.
0: Okay, so you can you're using uh, blends because like if you have yak. There's well, not a lot of yak production here. No. There really so, is,
1: and mills are afraid of yak because it's yeah. such a short fiber.
0: Yeah. Um, they have to retool things when they're yeah. used to working with wool.
1: Yeah. It's a completely, it's almost a different setup to spin yeah. it. Yes. And um, so we can have, we have yak fiber, but we don't have yak yarn at the moment.
0: Okay. So, um, so you can branch out more in the fibers mm-hmm. uh, without, without compromising your spun in North America rule. Right. That's great. So, do you have mills all over the place
1: spinning the yarn? We currently just have two mills. Okay. We've had a few others, but um, something that we've experienced with some of the smaller mills is that they they like the idea of working wholesale, and then they um, get a bunch of retail customers and find that they can make more money that way. That's fair. And yeah, yeah and so they end up disappearing from being a wholesale company. Yeah. Uh, which is hard on us because we usually spend a couple years developing and designing
0: yeah. the yarn with them, and then yeah, like, and then. Bye. It disappears as a source, yeah. as a viable source. Yeah. That's unfortunate. But I'm glad you've got a couple that work that are oh, happy yeah. to be um, wholesale The mills. mills we
1: have right now are just fantastic. I'm so That's thankful great. for them.
0: That's wonderful. Um, so it's sometimes hard to believe because of the face that I put onto the world, but I'm really very introverted, and oh, there's I, only <laughs> yeah. I, you know I, know, <laughs> I know, I know, yeah, and I know, you, I know you know this. Um, but there's only so much like public-facing stuff I can do before I need to rest. So, mm-hmm. but you spend so much time with the public in the public eye um, and as the face of this company. Do you ever have a problem with being the public face?
1: Um, I never have a problem with it, but um, and I'm not sure that you know this about me, but I am also uh, a pretty big introvert.
0: Oh, I know. That's why I'm asking the question. <laughs> See, I thought <just laughs> so. I just wasn't sure. Uh, so I,
1: um, people ask me why I do two-hour shows versus um, a longer show or a longer, <laughs> uh, two-day show or or a week-long show or something. Yeah. And I find that the same amount of people will come out, um, whether it's a shorter show or a longer show.
0: Yeah.
1: But I can give my best customer service in two hours. Yeah. By that third hour, I You're start fading really, yeah. and um, not giving the best service. And if I can be <laughs> in the store and be working with knitters, crocheters, spinners, weavers, I want to give you my 100%. Yeah. And so that's, I, I then often, sometimes I'll get invites to stay at somebody's house, but I'm so overpeopled that I really yeah. just need to sit in a hotel room and stare at a blank wall.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I totally get that. Um, yep. I have this weird thing where when I'm at a trade show or like a work thing, um, and traveling, I can't physically talk to my husband, um, Sid, the podcast knows him as Sid. That's his pen name. You know him personally. But, um, so, uh, oh yeah, no, it is. Yeah, We're good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, like, um, if I call and I actually talk to Sid, um, I drop my professional face. And I can't get it back.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: So like, it took us a couple of years to figure this out. But like, I can text, I can text all day long because text is in my head and not my voice and not my demeanor, my physical demeanor. Sure. Um, but like, it's, there's a lot of weird coping skills that as like professional faced people, we come up with. <laughs> and it sounds like yours is staying at a place that is all by yourself. Well,
1: and there are some friends that I can stay with. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Some friends are, that, are safe places for introverts.
1: Yeah. Um, and they know that I am not going to necessarily talk for an
0: hour. No. Like, you will in the same feed room. me. Yeah, yeah, you can feed me and we can sit and like veg out on TV or like, you know, put on some music and just not like make eye contact. And that's <laughs> fine. But Yeah. But like, there's going to be some downtime and you yeah, need to be okay with that.
1: People often ask me like if I'm a plate tourist every, in every city I'm at. And that's another thing is I'm just, I'm so tired yeah. that I often don't visit a city at all. Yeah, uh, If I have more than one day off, which is really, really rare, <laughs> I will sometimes explore the city. But all I usually see is a park, a bookstore, a coffee shop, and um, often an, an Asian <laughs> restaurant. Because I eat a, a lot of Asian food when I'm on the road.
0: Yeah, well, because it's safe. Because <laughs> I've got a safe. dairy allergy, yes. so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I find it. I find it's really underrated. Quiet time, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a funny video that I'll link in the show notes called "How to Care for Your Introvert."
1: Yes, I shared that on Facebook recently. <laughs> oh my god, it's hilarious.
0: <laughs> I showed it to my niece who is also an introvert today and she she was cracking up. Yeah. My favorite was the part about with the with the uh, phone and the hammer. <laughs> like people who insist okay. on calling you instead of texting and <laughs> are like smash it with yeah. a hammer.
1: I would actually prefer to talk on the phone than texting. Well, that's texting kind of drives me insane. Yeah,
0: I get that. Um, well and also like yeah. you spend a lot of time on the road so it's easier to talk to somebody and have a conversation on the road if you're calling rather than texting. So there's that.
1: It's funny. I used to have a travel companion, Mm -hmm. and I'd find that even at the shows, I would need a lot more downtime. Um, I was at one show, and I was talking to um, just some friends and my travel companion. I was like, I haven't even had to hide in the bathroom recently in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And I don't have to almost do that ever now, that I don't have a travel companion. That's really good.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you just need time where you, like, know people aren't looking at you.
1: Yeah. There was one show that I did about six months ago where I did my lecture. And then afterwards, people start asking questions about sizing and everything. And the crowd just kept coming at me. And I just kept taking a a step Mm -hmm. back because I just need a little bit of a buffer zone between people. And then all of a sudden, I found myself in a corner because they wouldn't stop coming at me.
0: (laughs) You treat yourself.
1: Yeah, it was a special problem to have, but I was like, okay, guys, I'm going to switch places with you because <laughs> I need to talk to the center.
0: Yep. That's funny. <laughs> it's tricky sometimes. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> One of the things that I absolutely love is sizing people all over the country Ooh. because I found that um, most people are about the same size but have a lot of different um, perception of themselves. Right. They they think they're either really tiny or really huge or no sweater will ever fit them, <laughs> And something something I do during my talk is I uh, try on about a dozen different sweaters. And on the hanger, they all look great. Once they're on my body, (laughs) some of them look wonderful and some of them not so much yeah um and and I've had so many women there, are like come up to me and they're like I wouldn't have guessed that we're the same size but we're the same size yeah and thank you so much because now I know the size types of sweaters that'll actually fit me
0: you gave me a pair of leggings because I was cold mm-hmm. and we were walking around like we wear the <laughs> same size leggings but our bodies are like completely differently mm-hmm. proportioned mm-hmm. you know what I mean like You know, we like we're wearing the same size on our butts, but you know, what I mean, but everything else (laughs) is like so vastly different and like different shapes of sweaters are going to look better on me versus you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I find I think people just really need to try stuff on. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And that's why we travel with so many different garments. I love it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I was having the same conversation with Amanda, who's the owner of uh, Amanda's. a Laces. previous
0: podcast interviewee, Ooh, very good. Yeah. So
1: she, my manager Charlie, and myself are all the same
0: size. Like like uh, but- commercial. You know, clothing size, size, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: But um, yeah, but
0: you're all just dis- you're all distributed differently. Our
1: shapes are so different, and yeah. three of us have traded clothing that we purchased, but wasn't actually for our shape. Yeah, and it's just so fun. I, I gave my manager a pair of pants, and she was like, "I don't know how you mm. fill these out because they're just so baggy on me, and they're the same size <laughs> she would wear." But I've got yeah. a giant rear end. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Preach, <Yeah>. sister. <laughs> uh,
0: but that's <laughs> love that
1: booty. <laughs> but that's just the way it is. We all we can all be yeah. the same size, but our shapes fill out our clothing so differently. And yeah. knitting your own sweater, all those little tweaks that you can make are so important to yeah. knowing how you can adjust a pattern. A pattern is not the end all be all of what a sweater has to be. There's so many different tweaks you can make, so it's gonna look really fantastic yeah. on you.
0: Yeah, um, Amanda, one of the things that we talked about on, on her podcast episode was that you know what we're doing. It feels humble, but it's really couture. Mm. You know, it's custom-made clothing. Mm. Like, you're picking the color. You're picking the fibers it's made out of. You're picking, um, you know, exactly where you place these increases and decreases. And it's – if you think about it that way, it feels really amazing, (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it feels like a super, like crazy accomplishment to have finished a couture sweater, right? Instead of you know being like, oh well, you know, I just just knit it it in my spare time. Yeah, right. Like stop with that humility bullshit. You know, we're women. We've been trained, you know, for like thousands of years to be demure and humble and all that stuff. But fuck that. We are. We're knitting couture clothing. We need to work. I
1: don't know how exactly we need to work on that, but we need to work on it. Right. I don't know what the solution is. Enamel
0: pins. Enamel pins. Enamel pins are the solution to everything. <laughs> I, I have a, like crazy love of them right now. I'm yeah. sort of obsessed. Yeah, I think that I think that we can subvert all the world through enamel pins. Mm-hmm. That's what you goal. attach them to. Um, I have them on all of my bags. I have these locking pin backs mm-hmm. that have uh, they're like like a little post with a hole in it that has a hex bolt inset. Oh, I need those. So, yeah, I'll send you a link for them and I'll put the link up for everybody else in the show notes. They are wonderful because you can lock your pins in place on something and they're easy to take off. You just need the little like Allen wrench. Yeah, I've lost so many backs. Right? And then you lose the pin. And like the if you lose the back, you know, whatever, you can find a new rubber back or something. But like losing the pin is horrible because a lot of them are limited edition and you get them from like a random maker. A lot of them are quite expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Enamel Pins. I will see what I can do about posting some pictures of my Enamel Pin collection.
1: My favorite pin is, is Red Square, and it's, it has the words, This is not normal.
0: <laughs> yeah, isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a reminder. Mm-hmm. There's um, there's a few pin makers that I follow on Instagram because I just love their work. But um, one of them has, has one that says, Sass the Patriarchy, Ooh. which I really desperately want because... I think we should sass everything. Mm -hmm. I think we've been silent too long and we need to sass the hell out of the world.
1: Well, we just need to be having more conversations. Right. There's such a philosophy that we need to be quiet about everything. It's like, no, we're not going to understand each other unless we start talking to each other. Well, and like talking to men
0: too. You know, it's going to be an uncomfortable conversation for men. I've had many uncomfortable conversations with men in the last, you know, year and a half, two years, talking about the everyday sexism that women face. That catcalling happens all the time and what it actually means to us. You know, when your cat called, you're faced with this decision. Do you sass back and run the risk of somebody getting really pissed and maybe raping you? Right. Or do you keep your nose up, you know, your, your head up mm-hmm. and keep walking?
1: And sometimes even ignoring them. Yeah. Gets them ch- I've been chased so many times just because I was right? ignoring somebody.
0: Yeah. So I've, I've had this uncomfortable conversation with a lot of men in the last couple of years. Um, they don't realize what it does to us. Right. And nothing's ever going to change unless there's education across it. Absolutely. You know? And if nobody send me angry emails. I know that that men are getting harassed as well. Absolutely. I and, understand that. And I respect that's, that. I was having I a conversation. I absolutely, like, they shouldn't be harassed either. No, but I was having... my a... experience as a woman has led me to this conclusion.
1: Well, I was having a conversation with somebody recently uh, with the Me Too um, yeah. stuff that's going on, and yeah. he was really feeling like he was being attacked because he's a white male. And I was just trying to listen and absorb what he was saying because his argument is equally valid, but yeah. it needs... to none of us need to be taking away from anybody else.
2: Yeah. And
1: um, so he was saying, well, women are often um, over-sexualized because of the type of clothes they're wearing. And I was like, well, okay. I Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about me and my body for a second. I mm-hmm. have very wide hip, I have yeah. a very large booty, and mm-hmm. I have a, a, a narrow waist. Yeah. So th- unless I'm wearing a trash bag, I'm not right. wearing sexually provocative clothing. Even if I were, that shouldn't matter. But I'm not, and I can't – even with my jacket on, you can tell that I have – That you're busty. I'm busty, I have a big booty, and I have a narrow waist, and it's really hard to hide that. And I shouldn't have to hide it, but even if that were the agenda, and he was like, oh, I never thought of it that way. There you go, buddy. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's why these conversations have to happen. Yeah, they do. Um, a lot of people, I was talking with somebody, one person was very, very liberal, and one person was very, very conservative, and we were talking about the bathroom issue. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get into that, but um, yeah. the one, they they were both getting really angry with each other, but I was just sitting there, not taking any sides, just trying to listen and say, well, why are you feeling this way? What is what is it about this that's making you yeah. uncomfortable? And yeah. um, the one person got so angry, she had to leave, but the other one thanked me for um, for just listening and and having yeah. a conversation instead of just getting emotional, um, yeah. and if we could let go of our emotions a little bit and
0: listen and talk to each other, we yeah. we might be able to accomplish a lot more. And I get I get people from the standpoint where. You say you know that like it's not my job to educate the world, and it's not. It really isn't. I understand that. But if you want to make the world a little bit better, and you have the energy emotionally and elsewise to spend to invest in educating the world, or one dude in a coffee shop, you know, it's worth it's worth spending that time and that sometimes, emotional energy. And sometimes if you've got you don't it.
1: have the emotional energy, and you need to spare. And that's everybody's out doing fair. everything, and you have to say. Under your blankets, that's okay. But yeah. when you have energy, go go have a conversation
0: and make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had I've had this conversation with my youngest brother, mm-hmm. um, which was an eye opener for him. <laughs> he, uh, you know, he's he grew up like six years younger than the next youngest kid, mm-hmm. um, so he kind of grew up almost as an only child. So there's a lot of eye opening that had to happen <laughs> for him. Um, like the the choices that that women are making every day that he never considered right were a thing. You know, like, do I put a sweater on over this dress that I was already wearing while I was home to go to the grocery store so that I don't attract eyes to my bosom right. or overheat because I'm wearing the sweater? Right. You know, like that's not a reasonable choice to have to make.
1: Right. There's been a lot more uh, posting on social media about the things women do when they're walking alone. And mm-hmm. I've had men talk to me about, we don't really do that, do you?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, we do. And
1: like, I always, if I'm walking anywhere, I, I make sure before I go outside, I have my keys ready. And mm-hmm. yeah, I do have them in a, in a threatening pose in my yeah. hands because, yes, I have been approached. A lot of people yeah. think, well, these things never actually happen. Women are being overly nope. cautious. They no, all the time. I, I have had people grab me, I've had people come at me, and I had to get in my car really fast. These things happen. Not just once a year, but many times a year, sometimes monthly, mm-hmm. sometimes weekly. Yeah, I often get sexually harassed every single day. Yeah, um, That's unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, I, I posted recently about how I was crossing the street and I saw a guy checking me out um, and he was walking across the street at the same time. And he's I was preparing just to do almost anything. And he said, that's a really nice dress. And then
0: kept walking. That is exactly the way you compliment a woman. Yes. Don't absolutely. engage other than to tell her that she looks nice and go.
1: Yeah. I didn't feel sexualized. I didn't mm-hmm. feel fast. It was, he said something lovely. I thanked him and we went on our way. Oh, I that Love interactions first, like that. That was the first time anybody on the street has ever said something to me that wasn't sexually harassing,
0: right? In because my life, it's
1: the first time.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's a fine line, dudes. You have to like compliment and then give space and don't over sexualize the compliment. Just say, You look really nice in that dress. Yeah. The end. It's great. You know, those are wonderful shoes. The end. Mm-hmm. Goodbye it looks really great today. Thanks right I today it was so awesome. I had this I was just walking down the street um, I was you know I looking really put together um, <laughs> because I was hanging out with my sister and this girl walking by me just said, "You look really pretty today." yeah." and just like kept walking and I was like, "Thank you.
1: right I love doing that. I, I see people that have great hair all the time and they come right them like those're things that are about you but also not you. And it's like, yeah, thanks. I worked yeah. out that. Or I didn't try at all. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You have a new yarn. We do. I'm so excited about about it. it? So you know how much we love cashmere. So many of our yarns have cashmere in it. And I wasn't a big sparkle fan, but when we came out with our new uh, Lunaris, Mm -hmm. I'm just in in heaven. It is so, so nice. It's a fingering superwash merino cashmere nylon. Yeah. And um, then I was like, well, what about a DK? And, um uh, nice. <laughs> Right?
0: Yes. So
1: we, we worked with our mill and came up with a DK sparkle with cashmere. So is it the
0: same uh, blend of merino cashmere nylon?
1: Yes, except that it's merino cashmere and sparkling Stellina.
0: Oh, okay, Which so it's a a sparkle cat, instead uh, of a the nylon, nylon based. Yeah, it's a nylon yeah. based uh,
1: sparkle, so it doesn't cut down the yarn.
0: Yeah, I really like the way you do your sparkles. Um, they're subtle enough that it's just it adds a little bit of like flash and like mm-hmm. uh, light catching instead of being mm-hmm. like oh my god it's sparkly. Yes, it doesn't overwhelm the color.
1: I think of it as being sparkly without being ostentatious.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Um,
1: so our new DK is Lucero. And she's just so pretty. I want to make everything with her. I think I want to make a, uh, a a blanket. Ooh, that'd be really pretty. Right? And it's set, um, 250 yards. Um, nice. So... Five or six skeins will make a nice size blanket. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm.
0: So would you like to give away a couple skeins of this? I would
1: love to give away. Um, would you like to have two skeins? That would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. So we'll put
0: the drawing in the show notes and you can enter for it there. And then we'll have Sabrina ship them directly to you. So and okay. do you want to let people choose their own colors? Absolutely. Sweet. You can pick your color. So okay. once you pick your color, um, it'll take a few weeks
1: uh, for it to process through the warehouse. Um, That's fair, because you're dying be, to order. Yeah, delivery
0: will probably be four to six weeks. That's awesome. So what would be your superpower?
1: So my first answer was going to be Tetris because I load and unload a van every day. and You and me, baby. I, I have some major Tetris powers. But then mm-hmm. I heard that you also have that. So of course, I need not answer your answer. <laughs> um, so my other qu- answer is untying knots.
0: Oh, that's a good one. Barn Getting
1: Naughty. I could sit mm-hmm. with it and it's just joyful for me. Me just, too. Yeah, it's just like, I don't even know what my fingers are doing half the time. They're just like pulling and opening and the thing you never want to do is pull and make something tighter. Yeah. you doing yep. it to open.
0: Yeah. I think that's probably uh, stems from the same place as the Tetris because it's spatial reasoning. <laughs> like we understand how the thread goes into the knot and how it comes out and, you know, and so exactly <laughs> what goes into like pulling it apart. Yes. I think it's probably the same spatial reasoning skills.
1: Charlie, our manager, was actually making fun of me recently because I untie my knots at the end of the yarn when I'm opening up the yarn and winding it into a ball
0: oh instead of trimming them just cutting them <laughs> yeah. off
1: <laughs> yeah she was like Sabrina you have an unlimited supply of yarn what does those really matter I'm like I don't want to waste it <laughs> waste not one
0: knot <laughs> that's funny I find the little like kinked end to be annoying <laughs> in my ball oh well, so, we- like We oh the kinked end. I thought you meant yeah yeah. No the kinked end when it when Mm. it's tied. You know so like if I untied it that end would be kinky Mm -hmm. and it would bug me. So I cut them. Well
1: for me um, it's it's the end and so there's always a bit that you're going to end up cutting after you weave in your end. So fair yeah probably. So it's going to get cut off. Yeah it'll probably get cut off eventually anyways. But yeah that's that's
0: not the yeah that's not the thing that bothers me. It's that it's there being kinky Uh, instead of being straight. Just exists. in existing, existing kind of yeah kind of bugs me so <laughs> we're all in the trash. i'm a little neurotic that's yeah, all right we all are in our own ways yeah <laughs> awesome well thank you
1: you are quite welcome this has been a pleasure thanks
0: You can enter the drawing for two skeins of Lucero in the show notes at yarnstoriespodcast.com so that you can try out Stellina for yourself. Now we'll talk with Amy King, fiber teacher and author of Spin Control, Techniques for Spinning the Yarn You Want. Amy and I will discuss sparkly inclusions in yarn and what makes Stellina so special. Amy. Hey there. I want to talk to you today about sparkle. I love sparkle. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it, it could be done so well, and it could be done so poorly. That is the truth. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it can be really nice and soft, or it can be scratchy and awful. Yeah. I worked with a yarn that I was gifted during
0: Christmas time. I was making some hats for people. And the, the sparkle thread in it was, like, sharp and crunchy, you know? And it was, it was like, the yarn itself was a nice, like, you know, squishy wool, but then the sparkle was, like, crunchy and
2: hard. That's because most of them are actually metal. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're coated in metal. Yeah. You had mentioned Mm Stellina. And Stellina is actually a nylon, Mm. but it's got that metallic coating on some of it. Okay. So in order to get that sparkle on most of them, they've got some kind of metal in them. Mm -hmm. So one of the processes, so like mylar, Mm -hmm. and it could have been mylar that you were using, and that sold with fiber stuff. Mylar is actually, it's aluminum and it's got a plastic coating. Okay, so it's the reverse. It's all really, really fine. And then they cut it out into, you know, they sh- mm-hmm. make it into the thread. Like, so it's the same, it's
0: the same thing that like mylar balloons are made out of.
2: Kind of, yeah. Huh, okay. So there's there's some products that are mylar that are out there that are just, it's just like that. It's that aluminum kind of thing. It's a little bit flexible, but once you start cutting it up, you got those edges yeah, and you got the ends and so the ends like you can integrate the fibers into some of it Mm -hmm. but the ends almost always stick out. Okay. And that's where you're usually getting your scratchiness from. That makes sense. Something like Stellina is nicer. Yeah. It blends a little easier because it's nylon and it's more round rather than flat. Okay. Yeah because nylon is
0: extruded. Right. So they could make it any way they wanted to.
2: Right. So that makes it different. So the Mylar stuff is pretty flat and you can kind of look at it underneath a magnifying glass just to kind of get a better look at what it is because it doesn't yeah. take any more than a magnifying glass to see it yeah. and to see the shape. And so Mylar is really flat and the Stellina is round. Okay. So um, for people who are not familiar,
0: nylon is a petroleum byproduct that is that is extruded or pulled depending on what you're talking about. Um, and so it could be... It's It's a man-made fiber and it could be, you know, shaped any way you want it to be because it starts life as a liquid. Mm -hmm. So did you say that the the nylon is nylon and then it's coated
2: in something metallic? Yes. Depending on the color that they're using. Yeah. It's sprayed with something (laughs) to give it that shine. Because we all know, you know, plain clear nylon, like the nylon thread you can get at you know any craft supplies store yeah, it's for clear, clear or
0: it's like milky it's, colored, yeah?
2: Right, it's just plain clear-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, So it doesn't end up with any kind of that. It's a little shiny, but it doesn't have that iridescent shine until they coat it with something. Okay. So some of them are coated with something I'm not entirely sure of, but a lot of them are coated, like the golds and the silvers and all of that are coated with a metallic. Okay. So like, you know, the metallic colored paint, it does have metal in it. Yeah. So just that simply to get that shine and movement, it's coated Okay. But I imagine
0: that they could coat it as thinly or as thickly as they felt like. Correct. Okay. So Stellina is going to have a little more give and a little less sharp edges than, you know, something that's actually like mylar or something that's cut from a metal.
2: Absolutely. Which makes it also blend a little bit better. So if you're blending up a fiber yourself, say, Mm -hmm. and you were blending up something squishy like merino and you were putting Stellina in it, it's going to blend into the fibers better. It doesn't fully blend. Yeah. Like if you were blending merino and silk. They're both protein fibers. Yeah, they blend really well. And so they tend to marry each other a little bit better because they've yeah. got the little edges on it and they yep. tend to stick to one another. Natural edges. Right. And so the extruded stuff or, you know, the pulled, whatever, yeah. it has no edges. It's smooth. Yeah. So it tends to sit on top of the fiber. The mylar okay. really sits on top of the fiber.
0: Well, and that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing for the sparkle because that's where you want it.
2: Right. Because you don't want it to really, really blend well. You want it to yeah. sort of sit out and kind of shine if it blended really well it's not going to shine as much because it'll get covered up more
0: yeah it would shine only like on you know every few stitches where it came to the surface or whatever rather than being on the surface of every every strand of yarn every bit of yarn
2: right so it doesn't it's not going to look like it blends really well but it's doing its purpose yeah that makes sense
0: Yeah. So I imagine that with a metal and a sharp edge, um, it risks cutting into the fiber.
2: Well, I mean, yes and no. It doesn't really, it doesn't really come out that way most of the time, just because if you were knitting something with Mylar and you knit it really, really tight and with wear and movement, it Mm -hmm. may have a tendency to dig in a little bit. And like maybe snap a stitch. It's unlikely. Okay. It's still, it's still unlikely, but it may cause a little bit more wear point. So it would be one of those things, you know, that it's like the Grand Canyon. It's going to take a really long time for that little (laughs) bit of a drip to make a
0: difference. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it would be interesting to do a series of experiments with different like, fibers and stuff like that to see over a long period of time how they wore.
2: Right. But over, you've got nylon. Yeah. Like the stelina. The nylon in there is something that helps something wear better.
0: Yeah. Overall. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
2: So the little edges aren't going to make that much of a difference. It will actually make it wear better simply because it's nylon.
0: Yeah. Well, many times I've, you know, in a in a Merino wool, Superwash Merino wool nylon sock yarn, you know, I've worn through a hole and only the nylon tracery of the stitches is left. But it gives you a really nice base to do to right. duplicate stitch darning <laughs> over the top.
2: Yeah, it's kind of crazy how that happens. So it could possibly happen with the, the Stellina or something as yeah. well like that. Well,
0: because at its base, it is nylon.
2: Yeah, it's usually a shorter staple.
0: Oh okay, got it. So cuz nylon um can be extruded any length you want. So like you could have one continuous piece of nylon that goes through your entire yarn if you wanted. You could, but... you could. <laughs> but for blending, that doesn't work out so well. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> most of the time it's cut and uh you know, to a compatible stable length for whatever you're blending it with. Correct. And then it's blended in like carded in or or um combed in.
2: Usually for something like sock yarn, they would comb it in. Mm-hmm. Um, Simply because it makes a stronger fiber. Yeah. Makes sense. So that needs to be cut to the length of the staple of the fiber that you're using. So they cut up all of the fibers so that they're similar length. So even if it's Mm -hmm. got silk in it, the silk has been cut. Because silk is a long fiber as well. Yep.
0: Silk is one continuous thread from the cocoon. It is. Awesome. Well, thank you. You are welcome. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I just returned from TNA last week and got to see a bunch of the people that I've talked to for past episodes, including Heidi from Luxadorna, Amanda from Lorna's Laces and Mrs. Crosby, as well as Sabrina, who you have heard from today. I love the creative chat that happens at shows like this, and I really rely on the injection of creativity that this kind of brain trust can bring to my life. I've got some ideas for this podcast that I'll be talking about once I get them a little more solidified, including a sampler box of all the yarns featured in the first season. I also learned about Local Yarn Store Day while I was at TNA. On April 21st, 2018, we will celebrate the wonderful shops that let us touch and smell the yarns we buy, who give us classes and expertise, and that bring color and inspiration into our communities. Check with your local yarn store, also known as an LYS, to see if they're planning anything special for this day. And if not, help them out. Bring some cookies to share and buy some yarn or a book. Our fiber world wouldn't be the same without these wonderful brick-and-mortar stores, so let's share some love with them. There's more information on local yarn store day in the show notes and mark your calendars for April 21st, 2018. This podcast was produced in Salt Lake City, Utah with production help from Sid Fallon. Music is by the Ever-Elusive Breakmaster Cylinder. Join me again in two weeks to hear from Laura Jean Kelly of Knit